All right, Rabbi, say good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning. Such a schos to be able to begin the news man together after Yom Tovim. Feels like we should begin with a song, but uh, all right, maybe maybe the. Uh, <laughs> okay, good. You know, I'll go with the sponsorships. Okay, so we'll say so. Want to begin by thanking? <coughs> excuse me. Today's uh, today's sponsor are our Tom Torah sponsors for the month of Tishrei. Avram and Shane D. Kalman for dedicating all the sure memory of their parents. Jack Bennett for dedicating the Shurim this month in memory of Givati Brigade First Sergeant Nikolai Rappaport. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Dr. Linda Weinberg for dedicating the Shurim this month in memory of her husband, Dr. Paul Weinberg Peretz Moshe Ben Avraham David. The Dafyomi Shir today is sponsored by Alan Sumairowitz in memory of their friend Jer Sussman, Yaakov Pesach Ben Zalman, and by our Mishpacha in memory and commemoration of my grandfather, Zichron of the Rachas Yardzeit, Mendel, Ben Levi David HaKohen. We hope that in the merits of our Talmud Torah, all of the Neshamas will have an Aliyah and the families in Nechamon. And also with that, let us begin. Mazel Tov, brand new parka. Thank you to Rabkam and Akiva for giving Shir yesterday. And let us begin. Today's daf is daf Lamed 30. We are picking up at the Mishnah on the bottom of Chaf Tes Amud Base 29a. An incredible, incredible sugya ahead of us today. Says the Mishnah, If a person is bringing jugs of wine from one location to another location, a person should not bring the jugs of wine in a box, or say in a basket, or in a box, but rather he should bring it on his shoulder or carry it in front of him. Now what's happening over here? If you take a look at Rashi, so Rashi says over here, the issue over here is, and we've already seen this, we've already seen this theme, and we've already seen this topic before, that to whatever degree we could change up the way we do things on Yom Tiv, we do so. So for example, normally if you were going ahead and transporting bottles of wine, how would you do that? You would take a whole bunch of bottles and or jugs of wine and you would place them in a box or in a basket, right? So all the Mishnah is saying over here is that when you are transporting these bottles of wine, these jugs of wine on Yom Tiv, do so in a, with a shinui. In other words, not, I don't mean like a shinui, like a hilcho shabbos shinui, but rather just transport them in a different way. So, the, for example, the mission is carry it on your shoulder or going ahead, go ahead and just carry a couple of bottles in front of you. <coughs> so, too, if one is carrying straw on Yom Tiv, he should not go ahead and carry the bundle of straw. Behind him. Now, if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, Now, why are you carrying straw on Yantiv? So Rashi says, Either to kindle a fire, right? Straw is used for fuel or for animal feed. See, I say straw is an item that was normally transported in bulk. So if you're carrying straw behind you, it looks like you are readying yourself to do a lot of malacha. Or that you're transporting the straw a large distance like one would during the week. So if you want to transport your straw, do not carry the basket of straw behind you. But rather again, hold it in your hands. So, right, so as normally during the week, you would take a bundle of straw, carry it behind your back. Anyamtiv, carry it in front of you. So, umaschilin, top of lamid. Excuse me. Umaschilin ba'aremas ha'teven, avalo be'etzim sheba muksa. I will say, now this is an interesting part of the Mishnah. So literally translated, you could begin using a pile of straw. Now if you look at the top Rashi on lamid of Adalif, umaschilin ba'aremas ha'teven. So Rashi says, lahesek. So in other words, if you now want to go ahead and use straw to fuel the fire, and you have a brand new straw pile, you can go ahead and begin using from that straw pile on Yom Tiv. Now what's the Chiddush, Rashi says? 
even though you did not go ahead and set aside this pile of straw from before Yom Tiv, and you would not normally use that pile of straw for fuel, to which Rashi says, to Leslie Mukta. this phrase seems to seems to reflect a more, we'll call it a more, um, we'll call it a less restrictive view, a more permissive view of Mokza, because what it's saying is that even though I did not set aside this pile of straw to use before Yom Tiv, and even though I would not normally take from this pile to go ahead and fuel my fire, I'm allowed to take from it on Yom Tiv. We'll see in the Gemara. Mishnah ends, Avalo be'etzim she'be Mokza. But you cannot go ahead and take from the wood in the Mokza. What's the word in the Mokza? Rashi says, Avalo be'etzim Mokza, Mukta was the name of like a storage shed that people had behind their homes. It's fascinating. We think of Mukta as a halachic category or halachic framework. But Mukta technically, at least in Lashon of the Mishnah, referred to like a storage area a person would have behind their house. They both say Mukta was the name of a storage area where you would keep stuff that you wouldn't really access regularly. Stuff that you weren't really going to use on a regular basis. So they say, so now the Mishnah, so what's interesting about this already you see is the Mishnah just said that you could take straw from a pile that you did not designate before Yom Tiv. And then in the next breath, the Mishnah says, but you can't take wood from the Muktza. Now, Bepashtus, why can't you take wood from the Muktza? Why not? Why not? Because it's set aside for non-use. So it's interesting. We'll reconcile these two statements in the Gemara. Good, I will say, says the, says the Gemara. Tana, im ef shadashanas mutis. We'll say, now, focusing on the first part of the, is, this, is the microphone working okay? Am yeah. okay? I'm sorry? Yeah. It's good. Whoever set this up this morning did an incredible job, by the way. All right, so, so, the, so let's say, so, <clears throat> so the first part of the Mishnah taught us that when going ahead and transporting something on Yantiv, one should do so with a shimle. One should do so in a different way. So now the Gemara says, Tana im ef shalashanos mutter. Said, let's say you're doing something, and just the nature of the activity, we'll give examples of this, doesn't lend itself to being done in a different way. Okay, so if you can't be Mishana, if you can't do it with a Shinui, fine. So the Gemara says, Askin Rava be Mechuzah. So the Gemara gives examples of this. So Rava instituted the following practices in the city of Mechuzah. Tedara Beduchka, the Baragla. If you normally carry something during the week on your shoulder, on Yom Tiv, you should carry it with a pitchfork. Let's say, so, so some of these things are very interesting because they sound a little bit counterintuitive, but Rashi points out there's less effort exerted with carrying something with a pitchfork than on your shoulder. If you normally carry something with a pitchfork, then on Yom Tiv, ultimately carry Ba'agra. We'll say Agra is a pole that two people would put on their shoulders and carry the item like that. Ultimately, again, if you go ahead and you normally carry something with a pole with two people, so on Yom Tiv, carry it with a pole for one person. Something is already carried on a pole that's carried by one person, put a cloth over it. Okay, so we'll say, so you see over here, the, the, these are not per se halachic, halachic ideas. This is Rava's attempt in Mechuzah to say, guys, whatever you do during the week, do it differently on Yom Tiv. shari. if there's no reasonable way to make a shinui, then you don't have to worry about it. mutter. If you cannot change, or if there's no way to deviate, then ultimately it's mutter. listen to this phrase. used to say, as much as a person could go ahead and change, as much as you can make a shinui, ultimately, again, that's what one should do on Yom Tif. I will say, I just want to tell you something. What an incredible and overwhelming phrase 
to begin this new zman of our of our limud with. Well, so listen, you understand what the phrase is? Kama the efshel l'shinoi m'shinin yamatova. So perhaps you could read it like this: What's a yamtiv? What's a yamatova? A yamtiv is any day of kama the efshel l'shinoi m'shaninon. Any day in which you affect maximum change. Any day in which you take advantage of your opportunities to evolve. Any day in which you see the opportunities of life to self-actualize, that's a yomtiv. Any day when you take advantage of your opportunity to be mashana, to change yourself, yomatava. That's a yomtiv. See, we think yomtiv is over. We think yomtiv is over, but it's not true. Every single day is a yomtiv. If you take advantage of the opportunity to change. See, I said, Yom Tiv is ripe for change. Why? Because the truth is, the beauty of Yom Tiv is there's nothing else going on, right? There's nothing else. There's really nothing else to distract me, right? Or it's just, it's just me, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Tfilah, learning, family, hopefully, Merit Hashem. You know, so Yom Tiv lends itself to change. But the truth is that power, that cathartic power of change on Yom Tiv, could be harnessed any day that a person goes ahead and chooses to change. And I both say, listen to this. So what happens if a person says, I can't change? What happens if a person says, I, I can't change? This is who I am. So we'll say, you know what the Gemara says? It was the first line in the Gemara. The Gemara says, Okay, if you can't change, if you can't change, it's mutter to be who you are. Rabbi said, but that statement is said sarcastically. Fine. You say it's not, it's not, it's not possible to EF Shalashanos? Fine, Mutter. Mutter, Mutter Lach, Mutter Lach, Mutter Lach, Mutter Lach, like Hataras Nadarim. But Hataras Nadarim is not a, real reckon, not a real mechanism either. Right? We kind of do it, we kind of do it, but at the end of the day, Mutter, 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 Mutter. People who want to say change is impossible, if you live your life like that, I guess it's Mutter. I guess it's Mutter to settle for mediocrity. I guess it's mutter. But the better way to live life is the more you can take advantage of the opportunity to change, Yamatava. That's a good day. Halavai should be a good day for all of us. Listen to this. So the Gemara gives examples of, of, of situations where it doesn't make sense to change the way something is done. Here's a good example. The women who fill up the buckets of water on Yom Tiv. They both say they don't fill up the buckets in, in an abnormal way. In other words, there's no shino in the way they change the buckets. So listen to this. And it says, both say, so understand, you fill up the bucket by the river, you bring the bucket home. The Pashtos, that's like a case in the Mishnah of bringing the jugs of wine, bringing the jugs of oil, where the Mishnah says, you should change the way you carry the jugs. So the Pashtos, you would think that we should tell the women they should change the way they carry the buckets of water. But yet they don't change the way they carry the buckets and no one says anything. Listen to this. That's because it doesn't make sense to tell them to do it differently. Why not? So let, let, let's go through this. What are the possibilities? If normally during the week, they have huge large buckets. So we should tell them what? To use smaller buckets? But if they use smaller buckets, then what happens? What happens? More trips. That doesn't make sense. So if they normally use small buckets, they tell them they should use large buckets. That doesn't make sense. Why? Ultimately, again, that'll just cause a greater burden. It'll be heavier buckets. To tell them to go ahead and maybe during the week, they carry the buckets uncovered. Right? So maybe on Yom Tiv, they should carry the buckets with a lid. Here's the problem, is that perhaps, perhaps, ultimately the lids will fall off and they'll come to carry it. Now, we'll say, now the carrying is not a problem of carrying on Yom Tiv, that's going to be permitted. The problem is a problem of Masu, just an extra burden, extra thing to carry. Tikdere, so maybe will tell them, no problem, carry the buckets with a lid on it, but tie the lid to the top of the bucket. Zimnin demafsik va'asil mikdere. Sometimes the lid will become detached, and they'll come to tie the lid on the bucket. Now, what's the problem with tying the lid on the bucket? What's the problem? The of kshira, of kosher, of tying something, a, a, a knot 
that will last. Tifros, Sudre, Aleb, a little smichas, chaver chazara. I, so maybe you'll say, no problem, spread a cloth over the bucket, cover it. No. Zimnin, demak mish bemaya, va'asi lide schita. Oh, what's the problem? If you go ahead and you place a cloth over the bucket, what's going to happen? Sometimes it'll become saturated with liquid. It'll become saturated, right, with water, and ultimately you will come to squeeze it out. Hilchach lo efshar. So we'll say, so this is very important. This is very important that you see that sometimes, as much as we want a shinui to occur, halacha lemaisa, if it doesn't make sense, if it doesn't make sense, we leave it alone. So we'll say, if you think about it, it's also such an incredible metaphor in life. There are certain things in life that I know are imperfect. There are certain things in life that I know... I, I, there should be maybe some type of tikkun. But then when you go through the possibilities, there's no better way for certain something to occur. In other words, sometimes life is about accepting the imperfections in the circumstances and recognizing that a certain level of imperfection is part of the course. That's how it's going to happen. Cecile over here, Gimara says, I know we should change the way we carry the buckets. Because that's what the Mishnah said. You should be mishana in the way that you perform any physical activity on Yom Tiv. What are you supposed to do? We can't. There's nothing to do. So sometimes in life, as much as we just said before, that going after change and affecting change every day makes the day into a Yom Tiv, there are certain things and certain situations in life where I have to accept a certain level of imperfection. An incredible Yisrael. Tanan, this is a great sugya. Now, what I want to point out, this sugya actually appears in six days from now on Daflam Vav. But we're going to do it a little bit now. But it, and the timing of it, the timing of it is incredible. Listen to this. Tanan, ein mitapchin, vein mesapkin, vein merakdin. What's the halacha? We don't clap. That's metapkin is clap. Misapkin is hitting your, hitting your hand against your leg. Ve meraktin, and we don't dance on yamtiv. On yamtiv. It's timing of this. Absolutely. What's the pshat? What's wrong? Why, why can't you dance, clap, or do anything? Rashi says, meraktin, kulam nasru. This is yamtiv Shabbos. Ve kulam nasru mishum shvos. Gzeira shema yitakin kleishir. So we'll say, we're going to see, we saw this sugya in Shabbos. We're going to see this sugya again on Daf Lamed Vav. But we'll say, this is fascinating. So Chazal instituted, you can't clap, you can't dance on Shabbos, lest you come, because you may come to go ahead and fix an instrument. Fix an instrument, okay? So the Gemara says, But people clap and people dance on Shabbos. And no one says anything, right? The rabbis don't object. So the Gemara says, Truth is, going according to that reasoning, other practices that people do that are usr, and yet the rabbanim don't object. Listen to this case. Chazal said, a person should not sit at the edge of the lechi. So, mostly, so just to illustrate this, just a moment. We know this from our Erevin days. You have a mavo, you have an alleyway. The halacha is that even if the alleyway is closed on three sides, you have to make a lechi or a korah at the entranceway of the mavo, a vertical beam, a horizontal beam, to demarcate between the alleyway, which is a rishus hayachid, midar and the rishus harabim. So, Chazal said, don't sit right by the lechi or the korah. Don't sit by the lechi or the korah. Because why? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? You're holding something. You're not going to realize that just the step out of the shusra, you're going to come to inadvertently go ahead and carry something. To the by the way, another incredible Musar Haskil, don't live life sitting by the lechi or the korah. It's not just a din in Hilcho Shabbos. It's a din in the way we structure our lives. Sometimes, we like to straddle that line between mutter and asr, and it's always a bad idea. Successful spiritual living requires the creation of gidarim, because gidarim protective fences create a boundary between myself and between the davar ha'asr. We all have our weak points in life, and if you live, if you live life sitting by the proverbial lechi or korah, it is just a matter of time until I find myself on the wrong side of things. So Chazal said, don't live life by the Lechi or the Korah. Create your boundaries. 
Create your buffers, create your gidarim, so that if you do end up messing up a little bit, you've ventured into the boundary and not beyond it. I, the Gemaris, Vahani Nashi, the Shaklin but the women, the women go out and take their barrels, right? They sit down on their barrels right by, right by the Lachir of the Korah. And what? And the Rabbanim don't say anything to them. The Rabbanim don't say anything to them. Yeah, okay. There's a lot to say about this also, right? About, yeah. Good. Well, let's go back to Ella. Hanach Lehemli. I was going to say, I was going to say that, so, you, you, well, okay. Ella, no, good. Rather, I will say, this is incredible. What do you see? You see from here that sometimes, and this is a fascinating halachi concept, that sometimes it is better to let people be a shogig than it is to be amazed. Now, I will say, now what, what does this mean? So it's clear for what the Gemara is saying is as follows. If you look at Rashi, Rashi says, Hanach lahem. Now, Hanach lahem literally means, leave them alone. Leave them alone. Rashi says, Bidavar sheher gilubo v'lo If you see people engaged in a behavior that they have become habituated to, and you know they're not going to change it. They're not going to change it. So the Gemara says, Chazal made a choice. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Because better to let someone be a shogeg than to tell them that something is usher. They're not going to listen to you anyway. And now they're amazed. And now they're intentional. At least if you're ignorant, you could hide under the shogeg. Right, the reality I'm a shogeg. Once you tell them and they don't listen, now they are amazed. Rashi says, Gimar says over here, Hachanami, Hachanami, Yisrael, Mutav Shishogigin, Va'al Yu Mazidin. So I'll say a pretty, a pretty incredible idea. So, first of all, so just so you understand, the Gimar now is applying this in two places. We're not supposed to clap, we're not supposed to dance on Shabbos, but you can't stop Jews from clapping and dancing. So, better not to say anything, let them be, although this, we kind of just blew the hole through this Svarah through learning this Gimara, right? But let, let, right, let them be shogigin and not mezidin. Good. Second example of that, people really shouldn't sit by the lachir or the Korah, but people are going to do it anyway. So better to let them be shogigin and not mezidin. I will say one more example of this. Vahanimili, a very important qualification. Vahanimili bidirabonon. This concept of just let them be shogigin and not mezidin only applies to dine dirabonon. Aval bidoraisa lo. But when it comes to biblical law, no. But when it comes to if, if somebody is transgressing biblical law, there is an obligation of You know, we translate hochacha as rebuke, but rebuke sounds like you're yelling at someone. That's not the mitzvah of tochacha. If somebody's doing something wrong biblically, there may be an obligation to inform them of that. To which the Gemara says, actually, you're wrong. The truth is, both sides, the concept of mutov shu shogigin va'ayu mezidin. That if somebody, if somebody is steeped in a behavior, that they're not going to change, even though the behavior is a biblical violation. And you know that even if you say something to them, they are not going to stop this behavior. Better not to say anything to them. Let them be a shogig and not amazed. The Yomar Sal proved to you it even works by Daraisa. I will say this is wild. Daha. Tosefes Yomaki Purim Daraisa. I will say there is a biblical obligation to start Yom Kippur early. There's a biblical obligation. So we start Yom Kippur early. And yet, And yet what? There are people, or communities, where people were eating until it got dark. Until it got dark. Remember again, we start Yom Kippur early, before Shkia. But yet, you know, there are communities where people were eating until it got dark. And we don't say anything to them. So, say, so let's analyze this a little bit. So first of all, halacha lemaisa number one, whatever, whatever I could, whatever I could be mishana, wherever I can make a change in any level of physical exertion on Yom Tiv, I should try to do so. But say, what do we do with this mutav shu shogi in va'alyu mazidin? So say, listen to this. Again, we'll see this so a little bit later on, but I just want to quote you one mara makom. Simin tov reish ches halacha bey, sit bey. This is hilchos yom ha-kipurim. So the Shulchan Aruch says as follows. The Shulchan Aruch speaks about the idea. He says, People, 
People who eat and drink until nightfall, and they don't know the halacha is that you have to start Yom Kippur early, we don't go ahead and object to their practice. Out of concern that they're going to do it anyway, and we don't want them to be amazed. Bosi, listen to the Ramah. So in general, we have this concept that if somebody's doing something wrong, but they're not going to listen to you to stop doing it, better not to say something, let them be a shogeg and not amazed. But, very important qualification. So both say, Gemara proved that this concept applies to both Dine Durabanon and Daraisa. The Ramah advances, I mean, it's not the Ramah, it's already earlier, an incredible qualification. Vidafka. Sheino Mufurash Batora Aval Shudoraisa Aval, I'm sorry, Amval Mufurash Batora Mohin Biyadam. Ultimately, again, the Gimara says, so I'm sorry, the Ramah says, when do we say Mutov Shushogigin Vaalyu Mizizin by Doraisa? Only by a Doraisa that's not explicit. Like, for example, that you should start Yom Kippur early. We learned that out from Joshua Psukim. But if someone is violating something that is a, a clear, uh, often the Pasuk, right? A Mefurash Pasuk in the Torah, a Mefurash Halacha, then there is an obligation of Tochacha. There is an obligation to inform that person of their wrongdoing. Now, I will say, the way you inform a person, how you inform a person, is a very, very, very delicate dance. Because ultimately, again, sometimes if you deliver tochacha in the wrong way, it does more damage than good. And the Ramad discusses this over here. He says about how to give tochacha, how many times you give tochacha, lo don't give too much tochacha. But again, I just want to point out, so the concept, the mutav shishogigin, value mezidin, applies halacha lamaisa to the Rabbanans, to the Oraisas, but not to the Oraisas, which are explicit. What do we do with the singing and dancing thing? So as I take a look at Tosas, this is incredible. Tosas, Tnan, Emesapkin, Ve'emaraktin. So remember, the Gemara says, pretty much, it's us here to dance and clap today on Shabbos and Yom Tiv, but you know what? No one's going to listen, so just let people do their thing. Tosas says differently. Tosas says, Tnan, Emesapkin, Emesapkin, Perish Rashi, Shemitakin, Klishir, Umiyo, Lididan, Shari. Tosa says, Tosa says that for us it's mutter. Why? It was only in the, in the times of the Gemara where people knew how to make instruments, right? Where the common person would have, could have made an instrument that this Gezeira applied. But for us, no one knows how to make instruments. And Therefore, again, there's no reason, there's no need for the gzira of not clapping and dancing. So I will say, so again, this tosis is what we rely on contemporarily. What I will just plant the seed, we'll do this later on, is this is fascinating. Because I will say, you could use this logic by a whole bunch of rabbinic gzeros, right? There's, there's a whole number of rabbinic enactments, Dine Dirabanon, that are predicated on a particular reason, and one can make the cogent argument that the reason no longer applies. Yet, the way the legal system is set up is that even if the reason doesn't apply, the halacha remains on the books. So, yet, we see sometimes it doesn't. So, we see that in the world of Dine Dirabanon, there are different halachas. There are some halachas where the existence of the rabbinic enactment is predicated on the, we'll call it the prevalence of the reason. And therefore, if the reason goes away, the halacha goes away as well. And other halachas, which remain on the books independent of whether or not the reason is shayach or not. We'll see this, we'll see this on Lamed Vav when we get to it. Incredible, so it gets out of us. Let's go back there. Says the Gimara Maschina Bare Masatevin. And remember, the Mishnah said that you could begin using the pile of straw. On Yom Tif. You can begin using the pile of straw. So the Gemara says, Amrav Kahana, Zosumar, Smaschilin, Ba'utzar, Tchila. So we'll say, what do you see from here? You see from here that you could use something that was put in storage on Yom Tif. Let me say it a little bit differently. It was put in storage before Yom Tif. So even though it was put in storage, normally when you put something in storage, what does that indicate? What does that indicate? Non-use, right? The long-term, long-term. I'm not using it. So you see that on Yom Tif, you can access something in storage. Some money. Rabbi Shimon, he the last 
Whose opinion is this? this? Is Rabbi Shimon who has a more permissive view of muktzah? Rabbi Shimon does not need something to be actively set aside for use on erev yamtiv. He holds pretty much as long as it's usable on yamtiv, you can take it. So on the other hand, but yeah, what was the next part of the Mishnah? The Mishnah said you can't use the wood in the muktzah, right? In the storage house. That reflects the view of Rabbi Huda, who does hold of Moktza. So what's going on over here? To which the Gemara says, no, no, no. The case of the Moktza, Bose, is a different case. This is great. Incredible. I'll say, what kind, what kind of wood is in the storehouse? It's cedar wood. Bose says, cedar wood was only used for one thing, which is building. Cedar wood was very expensive wood, and therefore you never used it. Well, the Pergistics guys are here. Maybe bookcases also. I don't know, desks or something, right? So, 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 so you, would, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't use cedar wood. You wouldn't use cedar wood ultimately again. for You wouldn't use it for fuel. Because you wouldn't use it for fuel, therefore, halacha it's muktamach maschisar and kis. And even, and even Rabbi Shimon, who has a more permissive view of muktza, agrees with muktza machmas Incredible. So the Yamara says, which also is very interesting. That even Rabbi Shimon, who takes a more permissive view of Mukta, agrees with Mukta Mahmas as well. Say, Mukta Mahmas Chisaron Kis is a category of Mukta. It's interesting. Here, the Yamara is defining Mukta Mahmas Chisaron Kis based on what? Based on what? Value. We know that Halacha Lamaisa, value does not necessarily have to be the only determinant. Of muktzamach maschisaron kis, you could have something that has a relatively low dollar value, but has a very important personalistic value. So again, but this is not halachas muktzah. But you understand, you understand the point the gemara is making. Others go ahead and put this conversation on the seifa of the mishnah. You can't use the wood in the muktzah. We're working backwards now. So the Mishnah is teaching me, you can't go ahead and take something out of storage on Yom Tiv. Whose opinion is that? Money. Rabbi Hudi. That's Rabbi Huda. The Islay Moktza. Because Rabbi Huda holds a Moktza. More restrictive view of Moktza. I am What about the first part of the Mishnah? You can begin using a pile of straw on Yom Tiv. Rabbi Shimon. But say that seems to reflect the view of Rabbi Shimon. The Lesley Mukta, who has a more permissive view of Mukta. So which one is it? Hasam Bitivna Sarya. Or I will say, what type of straw are we talking about? Decaying straw, rotting straw. Now we'll say, Tivna Sarya, Hachazilatina. Now Rashi says over here, once the straw is decaying, it's not fit for animal food anymore. The only thing, the only thing it is fit for, ultimately again, is really for fuel. So the Gemara says, that's why it's usable on Yamtif. The Gemara says, but one second, decaying straw is fit for something else. Chazilatina. You can make it into mortar. You can make it into mortar to fashion bricks, to which the Gemara says, the Islay Kotsim. It has thorns. So because it has thorns, it's not fit for building. It's not fit for animal food. The only thing it's going to be fit for is fuel for your fire. So we'll say, so just two different ways of reading the Mishnah, either again from top down or from bottom up and ultimately yields two different interpretations. Beautiful. I'm a base. I'll say, new Mishnah, new Mishnah. I will say, get ready for this. Get ready for this. On Isru Chag. Ein notlim eitzim min hasuka. Ein notlim eitzim min hasuka. We'll say, incre- Okay. Okay, should I juggle fire or something? Like what is what is what I need to do to get people excited over here? Good. So we'll say so old, I even, we started here later today. We started at 5.55. You got a little couple of extra minutes of rest. Alright. So we'll listen to this. You can't take wood from the sukkah on Yamtiv. Ella minasamukla. Now both say now the truth is the Pashab Shat is we're going to see now this is not talking about a sukkah of sukkah of mitzvah. This is talking about a, stru- a structure, just a hut, a stam hut. So what the Mishnah is saying is like this. If you have, if you have wood, now if you look at Rashi, look at Rashi just a moment. Rashi says, Rashi says, Rashi says, so we'll say, the like this. If you have, if you have, a lot of extra, we'll call it, I'm going to use the word schach, 
But again, we're not talking about a sukkah of a mitzvah. We're just talking about a stam hut. I have a hut. I have a hut. So now again, I have some extra thicker schach on my hut. So the Mishnah says, I can't take, I can't take schach, right? Or wood, branches from my schach, from the roof. Ela minasamuchla. Instead, where could I go ahead and put this? Where could I take the wood from? If there are some extra branches by the walls. So I can't take extra branches from the roof, but I can take extra branches ultimately again from the wall. Says the Gemara, okay, maishna minasukha dolo, takasasa So says the Gemara, why can't you go ahead? Why can't I go ahead and take? Why can't I go ahead and take extra branches? From the roof of the sukkah. Why not? What's wrong with that? Sorry. Why can't I go ahead and do that? So the Gemara says, Because when you remove branches from the roof of the sukkah, you are dismantling a structure. Right? The act of removing, the act of removing branches from the roof, by definition, is an act of dismantling. So the Gemara says, Okay, if you remove branches from the walls, that's also an act of dismantling. To which the Gemara says, we're talking about branches. Rashi says, So we'll say, listen to this. When you are making walls of a hut, what you would do is you would take branches and you would kind of weave those branches together. They would make the structured walls. We're talking about additional branches that are leaning against the wall, but not actually woven into the wall. So because they're not woven into the wall, they're just standing next to it. The removal of that anyamtiv is not considered to be an act of stira, it's not an act of demolition. Ramanashi said the truth is, we could even be talking about not, not branches that are next to the walls, but branches that are laying on the roof. So what are you talking about? Where a person put bundles of branches on the roof of the sukkah. So you say, listen to this. If you put a bundle of branches, but you never untied the bundle, those branches essentially are sitting on top of the roof, but don't effectively become part of the roof. So because of that, removing them on Yom Tiv, would not be a problem of stira. Tanya Rabbi Chiyah Bar Yosef Kamei Rabbi Yochanan a noklin eitzim in asuka elam in asamochla. So we'll say he taught this in Abraham. He says, well, you can't take wood from the roof of the suka, but rather in asamoch from that which is next to it. For Rabbi Shimon Matir, Rabbi Shimon permits it. The shavin, we'll say here we go. The shavin the suka hachad bechay. Now Rabbi say we are transitioning to a discussion about a suka. We'll say isn't all kidding aside. Isn't this incredible that on Isruchag, on Isruchag, we have a sugya about sugya. Well, so I tell you, there's a beautiful Bnei Yisachar. The Bnei Yisachar writes, he says that by definition, a Jew is always a, a little bit ba'atzos. So a Jew is always a little bit sad with the Yom Tovim are over. Because again, Yom Tovim are over. We just had a whole month of such a beautiful, magnificent Yom Tiv. Yom Tiv after Yom Tiv, Avod after Avod, Simcha after Simcha. What do you do now when Yom Tiv is over? So the Rebbe says something beautiful. B'nai Yisachar says, any time you want to experience a Yom Tiv, just learn the halachas of that Yom Tiv. So you, you want to you wanna feel like you're in the sukkah? Open up Mesecha Sukkah. Or open up the Shulchan Aruch Hilchos Sukkah. And when you go ahead and you learn a sugi, you learn a halacha about sukkah, says the B'nai Yisachar, it's ki'ilu, it's ki'ilu that you are celebrating the Yom Tiv. That's from the Neshama Dika perspective. When the Neshama learns the halachas of the Yom Tiv, ultimately there's a quasi-experience of the Yom Tiv as well. So Baruch Hashem Zachinu, that on Isru Chag, on Isru Chag, which is, Isru Chag still has a little bit of the spark of Yom Tiv, but there's a certain level of sadness now that the next thing we have in our orbit is Chanukah. We have to wait a little bit. So old, but we don't have to wait because every single time I learn the halachas of the Yom Tiv, I get to experience it. Here, Baruch Hashem on Isru Chag, we get to learn a little bit of Hilchol Sukkah. V'shavin b'sukkah sachag b'chag sha'asura. But I will say, everyone agrees that you can't go ahead and utilize the wood of a sukkah on sukkah. 
So we'll say every part of a sukkah is set aside for non-use. And when I say non-use, obviously you could use it as a sukkah, but you cannot repurpose any part of the actual structure of the sukkah for anything else. Then hisna Allah called you to know. But if you made a condition, now we'll discuss the parameters of this, but if you made a condition before Yantiv to be able to use some part of the sukkah on Yantiv for non-sukkah purposes, then it would be motor. Rabbi Shimon, or the Gemara said, Rabbi Shimon Matir. Rabbi Shimon says it's motor. How could it be motor? How can you take anything out of the structure? You are engaging in an act of stira. Hey, so we'll say, what are we talking about over here? A sukkah no falas, right? <laughs> incredible. A sukkah no falas. Say, so isn't it absolutely incredible? Hey, so what are we talking about? A sukkah that you know is going to fall down, right? So we're talking about a sukkah that fell down. Well, I should say differently. A sukkah, that's gonna, a sukkah that fell down on Yamtiv. If the sukkah fell down, Rashi says, the sukkah already fell down on Yamtiv. So because it fell down, Rabbi Shimon then says, you could use the parts of the sukkah for something else. For Rabbi Shimon Latamei, the Leslie Muktzah, that was Rabbi Shimon goes according to his reason. Rabbi Shimon holds of a more permissive view of Muktzah. Rabbi Shimon says, once it falls down on Yamtiv, you're permitted to use it. So the Gemara says, this Sanya, Mosra, Shemin, Shemin, Ever, Shebekara, Aser, Rabbi Shimon, Matir, Bosse, because Rabbi Shimon says that when you have an air, Bosse, remember again, whenever we speak about an air, we're referring to what? A receptacle that has oil in it with a lip in which you put the wick. What happens? What do you? What happens with the leftover oil in the nair? Rabbi Shimon says you're permitted to use it. say, which is incredible. So your nair goes out on Shabbos. Rabbi Shimon says you want to take the rest of the olive oil. You want to take for, make a salad dressing. Rabbi Shimon says ultimately it is permitted. So say the same Rabbi Shimon who says that you could use the leftover oil also says that what that if your sukkah collapses on yamtiv you could use the wood for whatever you want. So the Gemara says, how can you compare the cases? Me, dummy. We'll say, by the case of the nair, everyone knows that what? That what? The nair is going to go out. So because everyone knows that the nair is going to go out, therefore what? I have das that I'm going to use the leftover oil. Does a person sit on yamtiv waiting for their sukkah to collapse? Amrad we're dealing with the rickety sukkah. We'll say, yes, there are situations like that. We've all been in sukkahs like that. When is this thing going to collapse, right? right? You've seen, we've seen it, you've seen it. So we're talking about a rickety sukkah. So a rickety sukkah, we'll say, where a person knows, chances are, this is not going to survive the yamtiv. According to Rabbi Shimon, that would be like the case of Shemin Shebener. That would be like the case of the leftover oil, where a person would have das to use it. Ultimately, again, from already yesterday, from yesterday, I had in mind that if this sukkah collapses, which in all probability it will, I will be able to go ahead and use the wood for something else. Incredible. So I will say, so the point over here, two halachas that come out of here. Number one, number one, if you happen to have a structure, right? If you have a structure and there are additional pieces of wood laying by the side of the wall of the structure of the sukkah, not a sukkah mitzvah, but just a regular hut, and those, those, that wood, those branches are not woven into the wall. Halacha lemaisa, the Mishnah says, you're permitted to go ahead and use them on yamtiv because they're not part of the structure. Not part of the structure. According to Rabbi Shimon, if you happen to have a rickety sukkah, and you, sukkah's mitzvah, and you feel this thing is not going to survive the yamtiv, when it does collapse, you would be permitted to go ahead and use the wood for some other purpose in the same way that you're permitted to use the leftover oil in the nair. Incredible. Now both say, you know, we don't pass in that way, right? Because remember again, we, last week we saw this. We passed by Hilchos Moktza. If you're usher at Bein Hashmashas, then what? Then what? You're usher for the duration of Shabbos. So for example, for our purposes, the leftover oil in the nair remains prohibited. Remains prohibited for the duration of Shabbos. Now, we said in the Gemara, Gemara quoted the Braisa, that everyone agrees that when it comes to Sukkah Sachag, so Sukkah Sachag is your Sukkah. Sukkah you use on Yom Tif, that it is prohibited or precluded from any other non-mitzvah use. But if you made a Tnai, which sounds like if you made a condition on Erev Yom Tif to say, I'm going to get benefits from other parts of the Sukkah, 
you're permitted to do so. The Gemara says, really? Does the Tanai work to allow you to get benefit from the Sukkah? Well, so listen to this. How do you know that the wood of your Sukkah is usher all seven days? We'll say that the Sukkah is prohibited from use. You can't get any mundane use from your Sukkah all seven days. The Gemara says, Shnemar, Chaga Sukos, Shivas Yamim Lashem. Because the Pazit says, Yamtov Sukis, seven days will be for Hashem. The Tanya, Rabbi Huda ben Besera Omer, Minayim Shekeshem Shechal Sheshemaim Allah Sukkah, I'm sorry, Minayim Shekeshem Shechal Sheshemaim Allah Chagiga, Kach Chal Sheshemaim Allah Sukkah. How do we know that the same way that Sheshemaim, that Akadish Baruch, whose identity is Kedusha, devolves upon the carbon chagiga, that you cannot use a carbon chagiga for anything other than carbonic purposes, so to chal shim shamayim ala sukkah, that the structure itself becomes endowed with a heightened level of sanctity, which would preclude it from being used for anything else other than the mitzvah, Talmud Lomar, chagasukos shivas yamim lahashem. The Pazik says, the Amtav of Sukkis, seven days will be for Hashem, ma chag lahashem, just ultimately as the Chagiga, the Chagis Chagiga, the Chagiga is for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Af Sukkah Lashem. So to ultimately, again, the Sukkah is endowed with the Kedusha, making it Kulo Lashem and cannot be used for anything else. Amrav Nashi Alma. You're right. The Raisa, when I said that you can get benefit from a Sukkah, is not talking about the Sukkah's mitzvah. Right? It's not talking about a Sukkah used for Yom Tev. What is it talking about? Ahat, stamahat, aval Sukkah de mitzvah, lo bahani batna. I will say, but the Sukkah of a mitzvah, right? A Sukkah, a mitzvah, a sukkah used for, on Sukkahs, on Yom Tev, ultimately, again, a Tanai will not work for it. Is that true? If you make a tenai, that that will not allow you to use parts of the sukkah for mundane purposes. Here we go. It's an incredible sukkah. Again, all of Hilchol sukkah. All of Hilchol sukkah on Isruchad. Listen to this. We learned, if you made your sukkah appropriately, right? You put on appropriate. And you, 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 you adorned it. You decorated it with colored or embroidered sheets. Vitala boy goes in, and you, what happened? Vitala boy goes in, shkedim, afarsikim, rimonim, parchili, anovim, yenos, shmanim, vesalsos, vaatros, shibalim. And I will say, you decorated your sukkah. You know, but in the good old days, in the good old days, they didn't use plastic fruit, right? They used the real thing. What would you decorate your sukkah? They will say, it's so beautiful, right? Nuts and almonds. And rimonim, right? Pomegranates and clusters of grapes and bottles of wine and oil and fine flour and all different shiva saminim, right? You decorated your sick with all of this stuff. You are not permitted to eat from these items, to benefit from these items until matzay yamtiv. But if you made a tonight, right? The say, what's that tonight? If you made a tonight and you said, I'm hanging up these decorations. But I reserve the right to benefit from them. Hakolafi to know. Oh, if you made it tonight, then tonight works. So we'll say, what do you see? You see that you can't make it tonight with sukkah to get benefit from sukkah. Oh, what's the case of The case is where you say, I am not separating myself from getting benefit from these items. All ben ashmoshes. Yeah, we'll say, when does the mukta status of an item devolve upon it? Ben If you actively remain engaged with the item, all ben that never allows the item to essentially become mukta, to become set aside for non-use. To the chala kedusha alayhu, because the kedusha therefore never really devolved upon the decorations, the food decorations. Therefore, you reserved the right to benefit from them. Aval, I'd say sukkah the chala kedusha alayhu is katsay l'shiva, but the actual wood of the sukkah where the kedusha of the yamtiv did devolve upon them. Those remain set aside for non-use for the entirety of Yom Tiv. So we'll say, why is the case? So we'll say, so what we're establishing now is, if you go ahead and remain engaged with the edible decorations for Ben Hashmoshas, 
They do not become prohibited. You could go ahead and benefit from them on Yom Tiv. The actual wood of the sukkah, you're not actively engaged with it, Ben Hashemoshes. Ultimately, again, that becomes hooked to the shiva. That becomes set aside for non-use all of Yom Tiv. So the Gemara says, but why is that different in the following case? But this will end. Well, it says into this case. Ditmar. Hifrish shiva esrogim l'shiva sayamim. Well, let's say, let's say, you set aside seven esrogim for seven days, right? You want a different esrog for each day. Amrav, kolachas va'achas yotze va'ochla l'alter. Rav says, no problem. At, right after you fulfill the mitzvah with a particular esrog, you could eat it that day. Rav asked him, no, no, no. Kolachas va'achas yotze va'ochla l'machar. Va'ochla l'machar. So Rav Asi says, no, no, no. You could eat it, but not that day. Not that day. In other words, you could fulfill the mitzvah, but that day that you use the esrog, the esrog is hooked to the mitzvah. The next day, where you have a different esrog, ultimately, again, you can use it that day. So we'll say, what do you see from here? Now, here's what's interesting. The esrog was hooked to the mitzvah. Right? It's set aside for mitzvah. Yet, you're permitted to go ahead and eat it the next day. Now, the reason for that is because you kind of made it tonight. You're only going to use the esrog for that day. To which the Gemara says, here's the difference. Hasam so I will say, here's the difference. See, I will say, Esrug is not a continuous mitzvah all seven days. Right? The mitzvah of Esrug only applies when? Only applies when? By day. Every night, there is no mitzvah of Esrug. See, if I will say, if you set aside an Esrug for a particular day, it's hooked for that day. But once nightfall comes and the mitzvah is no longer in effect, the Esrug, so to speak, loses its Kedusha because you only designated it for the day. When it comes to Sukkah, by the way, we get two yomtiv references in one sugya, right? Yom Arichta, Rosh Hashanah, Sukkah. But by Sukkah, I will say, it's like one long day, Legabe, the Mitzvah Sukkah. Therefore, I will say, Halacha Lamaisa, just by Hilchol Sukkah, Halacha Lamaisa, Hilchol Sukkah, we cannot get any benefit from the structure of the Sukkah itself. We paskin, Kishem Shechal Shem Shemayim, Ale Chagiga, Kachal Shem Shemayim, Ale Sukkah. Same way the Chagiga is Kula Kadosh, the structure of the, the structure of the Sukkah is set aside for non-use for the entirety of Yom Tiv. When it comes to edible decorations, if you remain engaged with those decorations, then technically speaking, you could partake of them over the course of Yom Tiv as well. But that's not usually the case. And therefore, the decorations also become for the duration of Yom Tiv as well. We'll pick up at the Mishnah Mirat Hashem tomorrow. back on but it says like it's, it says uh, it says um, disrupt, disruption or disconnected reconnecting OBS it said OBS disconnect I don't know I, it, it, I don't think I don't think I'll check it. Yeah.